Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Um, go ahead and get ready for Psalm, the first Psalm. That's where we're coming from today. We're going to stop at some other places, but that's the main scripture um, as we bow our heads in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, what a privilege and an honor it is to stand in this place. Lord, and even as many times as I, I do or I have, I, it's not that I don't feel worthy, but I am just so, I just with trembling deliver a message that is from you. And I'm just in awe and amazement that you would choose to deliver it through me. God, I pray that this message would be all of you and none of me. That you would speak to your people, that you would meet them right where they are, that you would feed us all from your word, that we may dine and sup together and be changed forevermore as we dive into this topic that you've seen fit to bring to us and to our attention today. I thank you, Lord, that we'll each be able to incline our ears, that we'll each be able to focus and be present. I bind every distraction in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I just pray that all of our eyes would be flooded with light, that we may know the hope of the calling of the inheritance in the saints. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hallelujah. So yesterday morning, around the same time, the ladies of our church were getting ready to begin a day of fellowship and refreshing and relaxation. A demented gunman, blinded by hate, entered a synagogue in Pittsburgh and he killed 11 people. And the same God that we were, you know, in the presence of and rejoicing saw that and, you know, and it happened. And, and right now all eyes are on the tree of life. That's the name of the synagogue where the people who had peacefully gathered to worship, you know, according to their faith, were instead confronted by a killer. Now, last week we talked about faith and forgiveness and how it takes faith to, as Jesus did entrust ourselves to the Father, even in the midst of evildoers and great evil. We're living in a wicked time where it seems hatred is gaining a foothold in our country, right? Racism and prejudice are rampant. People feel entitled just to say whatever they want without love, without any type of restraint. And I had to fight the temptation as I was preparing for this to become obsessed with every detail and aspect of the tragedy that happened yesterday morning in Pittsburgh. So instead, in the memory of those who lost their lives, I decided to focus on the name Tree of Life. And that's where we got our message today. So even in the midst of something so terrible and horrible, you know, the Lord can remind us of who he is and who we are. And that's what I want to focus on today. So the Tree of Life, what is the Tree of Life? Let's start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. So I know I told you Psalm 1, that's our main text, but we're going to, this is part of our introduction. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. If you need more time, say, hold on. Actually, I got it right here for you. <laughs> so we are in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. 
the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God calls to grow out of the ground every tree pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out from Eden to water the garden. From there it divided and became the source of four rivers. So let's jump down to verse 15. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day that you eat from it, you will certainly die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper as his compliment. So why are we going through this today? Um, here's a quote here from R.C. Sproul that I want to share with you. He says this, as long as Adam and Eve ate of the tree, they had life and they had access to the tree because before sin, they were in right relationship with God. While they trusted his wisdom and obeyed his command not to eat of the forbidden fruit, our first parents, that's Adam and Eve, could freely eat of the tree that gives life. Their trust in God's promises signified by their eating of the proper tree and not the forbidden fruit maintained their place in Eden and consequently their life of blessedness. So what does that mean? Real quick, let's wait one more moment. Let's go to Genesis 3. I know we're, just, we're saying a whole lot. This morning, Genesis 3, chapter 22 says this. The Lord God said, since man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out and stationed cherubim, those are big angels for the children in the place today, and the flaming whirling sword east of the Garden of Eden to guard the way to the tree of life. So the tree of life was taken from us after the fall. You know, I thank God for being inspired to go this way, because one thing that I did not understand, that I do not understand continually as I think about the fall is that Adam and Eve always had access to the tree of life. They had that fruit that caused them to live forever. It was healing in that, everything they needed to be eternal was in that tree. And yet they chose the forbidden one. And then the tree of life that they had taken for granted was taken away from them. But our God is so loving and merciful because we got a new Adam in Jesus. And now we have a right to the tree of life. We have a right to the tree of life and we'll behold the tree of life in eternity. But God is so merciful because, because he provides a way for us even now to have a foretaste of the tree of life. So how is that, Courtney? Okay, I'm glad you asked. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2. Again, my message is scripture heavy, and this is just the introduction. <laughs> just preparing you. Okay. So this is Jesus talking because these are the words in red. This is the prophet. This is um, the revelation of John the revelator, write to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is Jesus telling him the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven gold lampstands says he's referring to him. Jesus is referring to himself there. Verse two, I know your works. 
your labor and your endurance and that you cannot tolerate evil. As I said, we're living in some evil days. You have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. You also possess endurance and have tolerated many things because of my name and have not grown weary. Seems like the church of Ephesus is winning up to this point. But he says this in chapter four, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. The translation we are most familiar with, some of us in the room, is that you have forgotten your first love. You've abandoned your first love. Chapter five, I mean, excuse me, verse five. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet you do have this. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor, some translations say conqueror, the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. So the church at Ephesus got a commendation for all the things that they were doing right. But Jesus says, wait, come back to the thing you did first when you loved me. You've done all this great stuff, but what about what you did first when you loved me, before you abandoned me, when I was, when I, you leaned unto me and not to your own understanding? It is possible to please the Lord in one area and to displease him in another. And that's the great thing that we're always pursuing in life, right? That balance of, okay, God, I got this part right, check. Now I'm moving over here. And sometimes it's good to stay in the flow of where things are good because we're comfortable there and we know the Lord is pleased. And I'm not sure if any of you are like me and are calculating in this way. Surely you're not. I'm the only evil one here. But sometimes I'm thinking, well, I'm doing so good right here. God, that's covering this right here. I don't have to go over there and deal with that. And the Lord says, not so. So the church at Ephesus got this commendation followed by a warning. It is it's possible to miss it in an area even to the point of idolatry, because he's not just saying you don't love me. He's saying basically, you, you know, you're attempting to serve me and you're pleasing me here. But this right here could get you off track and it's serious and you need to pay attention. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter two, verses one through 13. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. This is Jeremiah speaking as the oracle of God. I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. He's talking about Israel. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it found themselves guilty. Disaster came on them. This is the Lord's declaration. In other words, Egypt came against Israel and Lord said no, and he, you know, he smote them. They died in the in the sea, right? Remember, he got he, and all the things that happened as a result when he was trying to move them out of Egypt and into the promised land. Verse four: Hear the word of the Lord, house of Jacob, and all families of the house of Israel. He wants everybody to hear. This is what the Lord says: What fault did your fathers find in me when they went so far from me, followed worthless idols? and became worthless themselves. They stopped asking, where is the Lord who brought us from the land of Egypt, 
who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, through a land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived. I brought you to a fertile land to eat its fruit and bounty. But after you entered, you defiled my land. You made my inheritance detestable. Oh my goodness. The priests quit asking, where is the Lord? The experts of the law no longer knew me and the rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. So we see this again, useless. Before he said worthless. Verse nine, therefore I will bring a case against you again. This is the Lord's declaration. I will bring a case against your children's children. Cross over to Cyprus and take a look. Send someone to Kedar and consider carefully. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever exchanged its gods? But they were not gods. Yet my people have exchanged their glory for useless idols. Be horrified at this, heavens. Be shocked and utterly appalled. This is the Lord's declaration. For my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. What are you saying, Courtney? Wow, this is a lot. I know it's a lot. Hold on. You notice here that he says they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns for themselves. What's a cistern? It's basically a, a well, the kind of reservoir. So in, instead of the Lord, who is who is the source of all life, who is the fountain never ending, they built something finite to hold some water they thought was better than the living water. And that's imagery. It's not necessarily they built an actual cistern, but there's a point here. Let's go back to Revelations again. That's Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. So he says, let anyone who hears. So though it applies to the church at Ephesus, anyone who has abandoned God, just like Jeremiah is talking about to the children of Israel, who finds themselves in idolatry, can repent and turn back to their first love. Because why would the Lord call us to repentance if it wasn't necessary? So if you repent, then you have a right to the tree of life. And those of us who are under grace, you know, and we've, we're here today, we repent and we have a right to the tree of life. And it isn't just something that exists in eternity. There's a foretaste of that tree. There's an experience in the here and now. And that's where we are today. I want to go to um, our main thought. Let's go back to the title slide. Title of the message today is like a tree planted by the river. Psalm 1 says this, and this is the Holman Christian Standard Bible version, so it's not the one that a lot of us know wrought by heart, but how happy is the one, or blessed is the one, is what we're used to hearing, who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water, that bears its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chafe that blows in the wind. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment, 
or this translation says the wicked will not survive the judgment and sinners will not be in the community of the righteous for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Again, here we see this idea of staying away from wickedness, but it's not just enough to recognize and avoid wicked people. We know that the man who did that atrocity yesterday is wicked. We know that people we might work with or see every day that they, you know, dealing with some stuff and they that puts them in the evil and wicked category. Right. But the complete work of taking care of your first love is as simple as giving priority to God's word. That's it. To remember his word, to delight in it and to meditate on it, because when you do that, then everything else that we're called to comes into play. You know, when you, you when you meditate on the word, you're praying. When you read the word, you're praying properly because you're praying the word. You're worshiping properly because you see God properly for who he really is. So like a tree, the significance of the tree in the Bible is like this. The tree, the, you know, they we hear it as the tree of life. In other words, the tree represents life in an otherwise lifeless place. We got to remember that the scripture, the, the, the scriptures are being played out in a desert. You know, the Middle East, Africa, that's an arid environment. So when they see a tree that's green, that's a wonder. And there are some things that are given to the one who is, you know, in the Middle East. They know when they see a green tree that is planted by a water source. Somebody had an ear to hear that and got happy, but I'm going to keep going. So it never rains in those arid places. The only hope for that tree to stay green is to be planted by the water. If you notice in Genesis, that part we skipped went into detail about the rivers that surrounded the garden. God made provision for that garden and there was sufficient water so that it would be green and flourish so that it would not wither. And likewise, in a dry place, we can live and flourish in this dry, wicked place in 2018 where leadership in Washington and in other areas just seems like they just give in to some wickedness. We can find an oasis. We can be sustained by the river, just like the tree. So what is the river of the water of life? I want to go to Ezekiel 47. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Ezekiel 47 chapters, I mean, excuse me, verse six says this. He asked me, this is, this is Ezekiel recounting what the Lord said to him. Do you see this son of man? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, I saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the riverbank. Again, this is something that it doesn't rain there. Okay. He said to me, this water flows out to the Eastern region and goes down to the Araba. When it enters the sea, the sea of foul water, the water of the sea becomes fresh. See, a tree can't survive on seawater. Salt and all of that, there's too much in it. You know, salt water is good for a lot of things. You know, if you take a dip in the Dead Sea, um, you know, there's healing. You know, salt, a lot of us, we use clay on our hair and our face, you know, those dead minerals, all that stuff. It can be invigorating in some uses, but when it comes to watering a plant, it, you'll kill it. Salt water would kill it. Verse nine, every kind of living creature that swarms will live wherever the river flows. And there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, 
There will be life everywhere the river goes. Somebody say, there's life everywhere the river goes. All kinds of trees providing food will grow along both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. Each month they will bear fresh fruit because the water comes from the sanctuary. Somebody says the water comes from the sanctuary. The water comes from the sanctuary. My goodness. Their fruit will be used for food and their leaves for medicine. So what is the water? Anybody know what the water is in this, this illustration? Or, or hint, who is the water? Amen. Jesus. I submit to you the Godhead three in one. God, our, the water. The water is the Lord. The water is the Lord. Jeremiah 2.13 says this again. For my people have committed a double evil. Remember, they have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. He identifies himself as such. I'm the fountain of living water. So we talked about that just a few seconds ago. I want to go to John 7. Show you something else. Remember, I said that the water is the Godhead. Verse 37, John 7 says this, on the last and most important day of the festival, I think this was the festival of tabernacles, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and what? The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of what? Flow from deep within him. Some translations say from deep from their belly will flow living waters. He said this about the what? Oh, wait, <laughs> he said this about the those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the for the had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So what's happening here in this passage? Jesus is declaring himself as the water and the spirit as the water, too. What happens when we're planted like a tree by the river, by the water? What happens? A few things. We are blessed when we're planted by the river. We are strong when we're planted like a tree by the river. See, that tree's roots grow down deep because it recognizes at once, this is where the source of water is. This is where the source of life is. If I'm going to survive, I'm gonna stay right here and I'm not gonna move, I'm gonna stay by the river. We are fruitful when we're planted like a tree by the river because that fruit comes forth, right? And that scripture say it bears fruit every month. Um, that one trans, um, Ezekiel said, we have fruit. And we don't wither, but we remain refreshed when we're planted by the river when we're planted by the source of life and we prosper when we are planted we prosper we are blessed we are strong we are fruitful we don't wither when we don't get tired we don't wear out but we remain refreshed when we're planted by the river we prosper the river is not your job the river is not your social circles, although we do need friends, amen? The river is not your spouse. Come on, somebody. The river is not your children. Come on, somebody. The river is not material gain. The river is not anything else that would try to tempt us 
away from the source. But when we stay connected to the source, we have everything we need to sustain, to be sustained. We don't wear out. We're refreshed. So how do we become like a tree planted by the river? We know we must stay planted, but how do we become like a tree planted by the river? That one is also simple, much more simple than we think. We stay in the river by trusting God. Jeremiah 17 and five says this. This is what the Lord says. I'm very, very, I'm taking a pause from the scripture. I'm very, very intentional with this because I want you to see what the scripture has to say about it. It's not my opinion. The man who trusts in mankind, who makes human flesh his strength and turns his heart from the Lord is cursed. He will be like a juniper in the Arabah. He cannot see when good comes, but dwells in the parched places. I don't want to dwell in the parched places. In the wilderness, we can't, continuing, in a salt land, remember we just talked about salt? Nothing can grow there, it kills stuff. Where no one lives. The man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence indeed is in the Lord, is blessed. He will be what? like a tree planted by it sends its roots outward toward a stream it doesn't fear when the heat comes see when you are next to the source the water source we all know this you have anybody got a potted plant you put it in the window you put it in direct sunlight it's going to wither if you forget about it and don't water it, it's going to die but if that plant has a continuous water source doesn't have to worry about how hot it gets doesn't have to worry about how much heat bears down upon it because the roots are out toward the stream and there's a continuous watering. Continuing on with verse eight. It doesn't fear when heat comes, its foliage remains green. It will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. The river of life flowing in all of us who have been born again is here if we want it. If you are missing joy, if you are missing strength, if you are missing refreshing, check your water levels. If it's not flowing in you and through you, there's just a simple adjustment. I mean, excuse me, simple adjustment. Trust God, don't abandon him. Come back to him and drink. You won't worry about facing the drought. Your leaf will remain green. You won't be discouraged when the fruit doesn't show up because you know you're planted. Your confidence is in the source, not the produce. See, a lot of us are looking for fruit. And if we don't see it, we're scared that something's not happening. But when we trust in the Lord because we know we're planted by the river, it doesn't worry. I mean, it doesn't worry us because we know we're getting water. We know where our source is. We know where our life is coming from. Will you put your trust in the fruit alone or will you trust the source and by faith receive the fruit at the right time? Will you wait? Will you seek the fruit or will you seek the source and produce as a byproduct of your faith? The fruit will come, but it's the source that is important. Anybody hear what I'm saying here? Faith comes by hearing. 
If you're going to stay rooted and grounded like a tree by the river, the word must be continually sown in your heart and mind. And that's beyond Sunday morning. You must delight in his word and meditate on it. If you remember and rehearse his word through reading, praying and private, daily, functional, intentional worship, you will not abandon him. You will not forget his goodness. So Habakkuk chapter three, verse two says this. In the first couple of chapters, Habakkuk was crying out to the Lord. And he says this in verse two of chapter three, Lord, I have heard the report about you. See the word staying in the word. We continually have a report about the Lord and his goodness. It feeds our faith. It helps us to remember who he is. Continuing on in Habakkuk. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. In your wrath, remember mercy. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. And this is the verse that we all know. See, Habakkuk was crying out. And once he got connected back to God and who God is, once he refocused on who the father is, he was able to see things differently. I wait. I won't be distressed. It's a little bit different because, you know, he's looking for somebody to get destroyed because of the wickedness they were doing to him, which that's the way they lived back then. Don't judge him. But though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in Yahweh. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. We just have to remember who he is. We have to remember his word. And we can't do that if we don't have a storehouse right here, if we don't hide it right here. So if you feel like, oh, gosh, I just don't have enough to go on. It's as simple as reading the word and trusting God. It may not happen overnight, developing that trust. By faith, it can happen immediately, but it takes some time to really develop this trust of the Lord. And it comes from that repetition of knowing who God is, rehearsing what he's done. And you can look over your life and do that. Yeah, you can. And it's good to be reflective. But Allow the word to be the perfect record of who God is. Because sometimes things happen in our lives and we attribute things to God. I mean, you know, everything happens, you know, everything comes back from God. All good things come from God. Amen. That is true. But let's focus our account of our own lives on what the account of the Bible says about who God is and his attributes and what he's done, his great works. Got one more verse here. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. In closing, in times like these, with all this stuff going on around us, I'm not even talking about the stuff going on in our house, in our houses, in our families, in, in our respective circles. I'm talking about all this stuff like what happened yesterday in Pittsburgh. What happens weekly where these people are just losing their minds, all these bombs that were sent to key people on purpose to kill somebody over something that's really not that important. Like, is it really that serious? In times like these, we need to remember our God and who he is and what he says. 
those people who died yesterday as a result of hatred and sickness in society, those of us who have hope must remain strong in the face of things like that. We must remain faithful because no matter what happens, we are blessed. And the source of life, the river, our God, whose living water flows from the temple and from within us is meant to sustain us. We must only trust in the one who made this miraculous provision. Let us drink and let us not faint. Let us stand firm, not easily shaken, not easily broken, but abundantly blessed. Because that's who we are. That concludes this week's message. And thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.